day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft. Senior Bowl week. We're getting heights, weights. What do we got, Todd? Josh Allen, 6'4", Luke Falk, 6'3". They're all coming in. Uh, this week we have Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay on. I'm Chris Sproul. But this week we really wanted to hit, you know, full bore. Wanted to hit the quarterback class. Take a look at not just the top three guys, top four guys that a lot of people know about, but getting further on down the board. Um, who are some of the guys that can come off the board in day two, obviously day three, and then even get into the undrafted realm with the reality that Mel and Todd, as I start looking at this board, Cleveland, New York, Denver, the Jets, uh, you know, Miami, Cincy, Washington, it's unbelievable as you get all the way down to who's backing up Tom Brady next year other than Brian Hoyer. I mean, you get all the way down through this class, it just seems like there's a ton of teams they could be in the mix, if not for their starter, certainly their starter in the next couple of years. Mel, you look at the board. How many teams do you think they'll be looking at QBs? A lot. I think we covered a lot of the teams over the last couple of weeks um, that could be looking at quarterbacks. And then you have the debate as to do you go with a rookie or do you go with a veteran. I think that's where teams will have different options. It's not just about the, the draft choice quarterbacks. It's about Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith and some others. that The Minnesota Vikings have some decisions to make about their quarterbacks, all not under contract. So I think there's a lot of other ways to improve the quarterback position. Obviously, Garoppolo was a big hit in San Francisco. And now New England could be looking for the heir apparent at some point to Tom Brady. We'll see how that goes. But the interesting teams are new coach teams, teams stepping in with or coaches stepping in to, to organizations that do need a quarterback. And I think Arizona certainly is one of those teams that you would think at 15 may be active because 15, Todd, may not be the point where any of the top four are still available. And in order to get one, you may have to move up a bit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's a lot. It feels like more so this year than than in other years the free agency and potential trades and veteran quarterbacks are going to factor into where teams wind up going on draft day. Because, I mean, let's face it, right now there's so much unknown and so many different veterans that could be moving. It could change the entire outlook come come draft weekend. And, you know, you sit there and you, you look at a team like Cleveland, you know, one taking one and four. You've got the Giants at, at two. You know, what are they going to do? They they say they're committed to Eli moving forward, but does that mean they're not going to use a number two overall pick on, on a quarterback and just go best available player at that spot? The Jets are sitting there at six, hoping that, that one of these quarterbacks gets to them, the one that they want, ideally, obviously. And, um, you know, will, will Denver grab one of them ahead of, ahead of the Jets sitting at number five? So those are kind of the hot spots in the first six picks. Then we have a lull, as we talked about last week, I think. And, and then it kind of picks back up around 11, with um, with the Miami Dolphins could absolutely be in the market because Ryan Tannehill simply cannot stay healthy. Um, Thirteen with the Washington Redskins, fifteen with Arizona. I mean, the list goes on and on. So there's it seems like there are more teams than usual, and and a lot of teams that are in unique situations, and even like the Buffalo Bills. What, how is it going to shake out? For Buffalo and their situation, they have picks at 21 and 22. So there's some ammunition there to maybe move up. So 
obviously quarterbacks are always the story, but this year where you have four quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first round and a lot of depth behind those top four, I think it's going to be more so the story than, than in most years. It reminds me a little bit of 2011, and now we're going to go ahead and say, yeah, that class didn't work out really well, but Mel just mentioned to get this thing started that, you know, by the time Arizona picks at 15, um, who knows if there will be that fourth quarterback there. In 2011, Cam Newton went one. This is the year, of course, Andrew Luck didn't jump into the draft when he thought he'd be the first pick. So Cam Newton goes one. Then you have Jake Locker, no longer around, picked at number eight. Uh, then you had Blaine Gabbert picked at number 10. Suddenly panic sets in. A team like Minnesota, who doesn't have a quarterback, flies up the board. And there's Christian Ponder at number 12. Now, again, hindsight always says, uh, you know, obviously it didn't work out. There's been other drafts like 2004 where everybody got their guy. So you never know. But the interesting thing is, is it just makes you think there could be a whole bunch of these quarterbacks taken – Todd does an exercise that I really like every year before the draft where he puts players into tiers and, you know, tier one, tier two. And I thought maybe we could come to a little bit of a consensus between you two on what the tiers of quarterbacks are right now. So, Todd, is it fair to say on your system the tier one QBs would be the group of Allen, Rosen, and Darnold? And then at that point, I don't know what you do with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I, Baker's probably it depends on how you look at. It. I mean, I I break right. break it up very different, like kind of just by grade and, and area and all that. But if we're just focusing on the quarterbacks, just for the sake of this exercise, I, I would say those are the tier one. But Baker's either at the bottom of tier one or right at the top of tier two. And if Baker's at the top of tier two, then I think he's probably the only one in tier two. And I think then it becomes tier three or he's at the bottom of tier one. And then we can get into tier two, which in my opinion becomes Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, depending on how you feel about him. And then probably to me, that next tier would be the, you know, the Mike Whites of Western Kentucky, Luke Falk, Kyle Aletta from Richmond, Falk from Washington State. Um, Kirk Ben Kirk could, could work his way in, into that discussion. And then, Probably another tier below would be the Riley Ferguson's from Memphis, Tanner Lee, um, Brandon Silvers from from uh, Troy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I think the one that the, there are there are two quarterbacks, Todd, and you hit them obviously both because I think their wild cards would be Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson because uh, I think there's going to be a, a lot of different mixed opinions on these two uh, so where they're going to factor in in the NFL and how good they'll be. I think we can all agree that. The top three have obviously NFL ability. Just, you know, who do you like and who do you not like? They have, you have this Baker Mayfield at six foot, uh, and whatever he is, uh, whatever his height's going to be, Todd. Uh, then I think you look at him and you say Lamar Jackson would be next in line as the most intriguing quarterback in this draft because, you know, he wants to be a quarterback. And some people think he's not. There's in fact a wide receiver. You only need one of 32 or one of the teams that are looking at a quarterback and all 32 aren't obviously to think Lamar Jackson is a quarterback. Where does he go? Does he get into the late first? Where are the Pittsburgh Steelers? I brought this up with Bill Poley when we were all talking, Todd, the other day up at ESPN about what the Pittsburgh Steelers do with Roethlisberger hitting retirement. 
Josh Dobbs is a prospect. We don't know what he'll develop into. What Bill said is, wait and see what Dobbs does before you take a quarterback in the third or fourth round because you're ended up with another Dobbs. But do you take one earlier than that that you think is better than Dobbs and could be the heir apparent to Roethlisberger if Dobbs doesn't develop? So I think the Steelers will be interesting for that reason. I just think Lamar Jackson is going to be fascinating to watch how he evolves over the next three months and what he develops into. And do people all, is there a consensus built on Lamar Jackson as to how he'll be at quarterback? Will he have to be a position change you draft him a quarterback and then hope he develops if he doesn't you fall back plan would be wide receiver um lamar jackson i think over the next three months as well as baker mayfield are going to be the two quarterbacks that i don't think you'll ever maybe build a necessary consensus on you know down here in mobile every year it's the same thing it's kind of it's always funny how the small things people start to get so worked up about now because you know season's winding down we've got the final two teams in the super bowl it's week in between Senior Bowl is always kind of like the kickoff to the draft process in terms of the media and nationally. And it's the first time that everyone's together in one place, you know, because of the season and it's all ending. So the scouts are all together and coaches and et cetera, et cetera. It's just funny that listening to guys already this morning and we haven't had a practice, you know, people are just kind of getting in their evaluations and, and doing interviews at night with these players. And then the two narratives already, you can just tell Everyone's talking about Josh Allen. What man? He looks the part. What a, he's the quarterback. Ideally, what are you looking for? Six. What do you measure it? Six four and seven eighths inches. Two thirty seven. The big hands. Ten and one eighth inch. And then there's other people who are already starting in on. Yeah, but he's completed fifty six percent. Yeah, his production's just not there. Yeah, he's he's um, you know fool's gold. Da, da, da. So it's already just hearing from different guys and different viewpoints on the same exact player that we're all looking at. And then Baker Mayfield, he's not he, he's not here. He had a personal issue that arose on Sunday. He was very very upfront uh, with Phil Savage, who runs the Senior Bowl here, and um, and said, "I'm gonna I've got to be with my family right now, but I will be there for the first practice." He's getting in like an hour before the first practice. And he hasn't measured yet, Todd, so we get, we get senior. He hasn't measured, so everyone's saying, well, this is suspicious. <laughs> Does he not want to get measured? And Phil had to come out and say, listen, he's coming. We're going we're gonna to take his height and his weight and measurables before he practices, and everyone will get that information. So already the drama begins over a, you know, a, a measurement and a guy who very likely has a family issue he's dealing with and is busting tail just to get here so that he can be a part of this after starting over 40 games in college and really doesn't need to be here to prove anything. Just to put in perspective, what Todd's saying is at the time, I mean, we are so far away. If you just think about September, if you just take September, say we were in September in the college football season, the Ivy League just started, right? And we're talking about late September and you really should be back at school. Old Boomer used to say all the time, the old Rod Stewart song. We're still in September right now and the draft's not until right before New Year's. Okay, that's how far we are away from the NFL draft. If you put right, it, go back season. to the football season, you still have Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then oh, right before New Year's, we're going to have the NFL draft, and we're still in September. Okay, that's how we far we are away from the NFL draft, and all these things that have to happen before then, and not Halloween, not Thanksgiving, it's combines and pro days and these all-star games, all these things that have to happen. And so we don't have measurables on these underclassmen yet until they get to the combine. So the bottom line is, it's a long way to go. To formulate opinions, and I'll go back to what Todd said, if if 56.1% is all you're going to go by on a quarterback, then you don't need to be anywhere, and I don't really need scouts. Because that's that's analytics, that's numbers, that's stats, and and if we have a form that says okay, it's that, the it, most basic stat too. exactly. And, yeah. that, and it, there's it's, a lot it's, of noise with this stat too. Well, there's noise because, because of the thirty factors. 
if you're throwing the ball downfield, if you're throwing 20 bubble screens yeah, today, it exactly. factors. I mean, well, there's a lot of – right, because all the quarterbacks in the NFL completed over this percentage, but some of them are Bryce Petty. And some of the other ones, we can go forth that were bubble screen sensations so uh, and just throwing it to wherever, the area. So uh, this whole notion about completion percentage is skewed a bit because of the way college football is. Uh, I don't know if you can – you know, moving forward, if it's going to be that big a factor. So you got to study the throws and watch the, the tape and go back, and hopefully you'll watch some of Josh Allen. And I find it pretty interesting. Saying that John Elway would not just waste time going to a Central Michigan Wyoming bowl game, okay, around the holidays, and therefore watch Josh Allen, and Josh Allen looked pretty doggone good. So if you're John Elway and you're picking fifth and you're the Denver Broncos, you were there and you saw a guy light it up. So we'll see how Josh Allen performs through the process. But I think it's just so far to, to try to say definitively. Who do you like? And, and Todd, we always try to get locked in. People try to lock you in. Who do you like, number one? Who do you like here? Who do you like? We don't know yet. You're still formulating that opinion. Teams don't know yet. So they have no idea who they're going to really like and who's going to be their guy. That that opinion can change after the senior bowl week. But if they see these guys, it can change after the combat. It can change after a pro day. If it didn't change after those events, why the heck we have them? Why are you wasting time having these these various things that you have if your opinions aren't going to vary a little bit after those those uh, stages that we go through? I think it's important to remember and, and remind ourselves and remind listeners that a good chunk of the – I mean, you, different people say different percentages. It doesn't matter. A good portion of the evaluation of all players is medical and, and character. And who do you – you know, what makes this guy tick? And is he the type of player that's going to get in the league and, and the money is going to be too much, the fame is going to be too much, having all that free time is going to be too much, or is he someone who's going to relish it and loves the game and, and so on and so forth. And for the quarterback position, you hear stories every single year. I told a story last week about Bill O'Brien and kind of one of the deciding factors was just watching Deshaun Watson have lunch in their building and how the players just were dying to meet him and, and the way he carried himself how different it was from all the other quarterbacks they've brought in and gone through the same process. And so it's not, listen, like tonight I'm going to sit down with a bunch of friends in the league and we're going to watch tape on, I don't even know what position we'll sit there and we'll watch 10 receivers tonight. We'll watch a game or two each and just kind of get a feel and talk through it. And so my rankings on receivers may change tomorrow because I've watched more tape, but then also when you get here and then you get to the combine and then talk to our, our sources in, in March during the pro day process in April leading up to the draft, I think about all the players we talk to guys in the league about and all the di- different information you get. And you've got to kind of be a sponge and take it all in. And you get all these notes on one player and there's 400 players we're evaluating. But at some point, rankings change and it's not just because of the tape. It's because, oh, you know what? That injury, there's five or six teams I've talked to that now are really concerned with this guy's ankle or knee in long term. And, or, you know, the character, we're just, we were really underwhelmed with him when he came in the building. So all that factors into it. It's, it so much of this process now is, yes, it's still continuing with the, the tape study, but also just finding out as much information about these, the, the guy and then the medical stuff that you, you feel good investing in that stock at the end of the day. Mel, Todd discussed his tiers a little bit. Just if, if, if you had to just line up this class right now, obviously there's the top three, the Mayfield question. Where do you kind of set your next two tiers? And by that I kind of mean day two and day three types. 
Well, I think the day, uh, the, first of all, first round guys would be the big four. Now you can put Mayfield mm-hmm. in whatever tier you want. Mayfield's going to be a first round pick more than likely. So you have four mm-hmm. first round caliber quarterbacks. Now there probably will be another one that jumps into the late first by the time we get to late April. That would be either Rudolph or Jackson, I would think. Wouldn't shock me if somebody else did by then, because pro days will be important. We have some big arms. Somebody says, Mike White has a big arm. Kirk Benkert has a big arm. So there's some guys there that can throw the football. Falk doesn't have the big arm. Uh, but I think you look at still a quarterback that certainly has a chance maybe to be a career backup, but we'll get interest probably third or fourth round. So I think you look at who could jump up into the mix to be that late one or early two, mid two. I think Mike White, Ben Kirk could um, because of that. White's going to be a guy who could wow people. We've talked, talked about interviews and quarterback's character and getting on the board and showing their football IQ and all that. Mike White may be impressive in that area in addition to having a ball that jumps out of his hand and gets from point A to point B as quick as any quarterback in this draft. So somebody like that could emerge on Mike White from Western Kentucky. But I would think right now it's three – then Mayfield, the big three, then Mayfield kind of just as a wild card. Then Rudolph and Jackson, with Jackson being kind of a wild card. So I'd almost put Rudolph separate and say who could climb up to Rudolph with Jackson being a, a wild card like Mayfield. It could be Mike White or Ben Kurt. So maybe let's put one of those two with Rudolph. Then you get down to maybe Ben Kurt over Falk because maybe people think Falk, well, is he going to be an NFL starting quarterback where they'll always shade the bigger arm to maybe be a starter rather than a guy who has maybe the cerebral approach and maybe has some accuracy things that work for him more than the other guy. But the big arm guys usually maybe jump a little higher. Then you get into Kyle, uh, to the Todd's guy, Kyle Loletta, Richmond Spider. You know, after we get to late April, has he all of a sudden jumped up to where Mike White could be, challenging Rudolph, or is he backed off into that third, fourth round area? Uh, so I think there's still to be determined there. Riley Ferguson puts up a lot of stats. You know, how do people view him as we move forward? Uh, you know, the Brandon Silvers at Troy is another one to think about maybe in the middle round. So there's a lot of guys, but I think right now wild cards to me are Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. And I think the two most intriguing guys as we move forward will be Mike White and Todd's guy, Kyle Walletta. Mel, what another name that's popped up, a late entry down there, Tanner Lee. What's, mm. you know, some people are familiar, obviously, more celebrated coming out of high school. There's the transfer. What's just kind of the, the two-sentence review on him so people well, he, know he was he expected to Because he's going to get drafted, you'd think, or he has a well, real chance. I don't to. know about Garrett. I mean, I think, I think you look at, at what he was expected to be, and he wasn't. For Mike Riley, the perfect quarterback. You know, he had done a great right. job transferring from Tulane. He was going to take over Tommy Armstrong and be the guy who took him to the next level. Well, he didn't take him to the next level. He went way back, and Mike Riley got fired. So, yeah, at the end of the day, he did not play well. He didn't have a phenomenal supporting guest, but he had a couple of receivers who were competent. Uh, they had an injury to their top running back early on, and uh, the line had some issues. But overall, bad decisions, some horrible throws. He was off target someday. He, he did, when he had some time, he did show an NFL arm and did show some NFL accuracy sticking in the tight windows at times. But really wildly inconsistent and like I said did not have anywhere near the year expected for Tanner Lee and in the NFL taking care of the football and make, not, making good decisions and not turning it over is a key and Tanner Lee had issues there so I would think is he draftable yeah but if you don't light it up in college Todd it's tough to all of a, all of a sudden think the light's going to go on and you're all of a sudden going to be something you weren't in, in the NFL that you something you, you weren't in the in college you're going to all of a sudden be in the NFL yeah he was he was interesting I, I'm Still have more work to do on him. There's, there's, it's hard to deny that there's ability there. I mean, he's got the frame. He measured in today. He's, um, 
let's see, 6'4", 218, 10 1-8-inch arms. Um, you know, he kind of looks the part. He has a big arm, as you said. But but the mistakes and the questionable decisions and forcing the ball into coverage, those were those kind of continued to, to stand out the more and more I, I took a look at him. So it's an opportunity this week, obviously, to, to come out and try to – Show that he maybe it was it was just the offense he was in or the supporting cast. But when you when you have um, thirty seven interceptions in your career and only forty six touchdown passes, only complete fifty seven and a half. Again, those are just stats. But he needs a lot of refinement. Guys, going back to just the very top, I was going to hit a few teams that could be mysteries. But one other thing, just because Josh Allen is there, Todd, you'll be able to see him up close. Just a couple questions on him. I've heard Josh Allen described as the guy who can make, you know, throws that nobody on the planet can make, and then he can also miss throws that anybody on the planet can make. And I guess the question is, he's already aced one test today. As you said, looks the part matters. The hand size, 10 and ten and an eighth, obviously, if you're a team that plays in the cold, that matters. What does he need to show just during practices this week, obviously the game kind of gets put aside. Um, what does he need to show during practices? I, I think the biggest thing to me would be consistency with his with his accuracy. I mean, it's the most important physical trait that you have at the quarterback position, excluding obviously intangibles. I'm just talking physical trait is accuracy. Right. And so, if now the the thing that I think works to his benefit or could could work against him, but I, I think what could work to his benefit if he has a good week is the fact that one of the more accurate quarterbacks in this class, Baker Mayfield, is going to be on the same practice field doing the same drills with the same receivers in the same offensive system. And so if he can show that, hey, you know, I'm going toe-for-toe toe with this guy who everyone considers to be so accurate and can do it now that he has receivers that can maybe separate a little bit and can play to the speed that that he wants to play and – and shows that when things are a little bit better in terms of supporting cast and in the situation around him, that he can be as accurate as, as any of these other guys, then I think that would really help. It's not going to change the evaluation, but I, th- I think what it does is if you're one of the guys that are kind of banging on the table for Josh Allen or you want to believe in him, it's an opportunity for him to go out and and help you further that argument. Now, if he comes out here and really struggles, then, then you know, then it does the same thing in the opposite direction. And for everyone who's trying to, you know, beat on the table and say, hey, you know, Josh Allen, he's, he's just, he, he's not the guy. He's not as consistent. He's not accurate. He's never going to be that guy. It, it, it can help you. So I, I don't know that, I don't want to say it's a big week and overblow it, but I do think it can help the narrative for, for all NFL scouts and evaluators one way or the other. Yeah, and for Josh, too, I think for Josh Allen, he played in the bowl game when he didn't have to. Okay, he did not have to play in that bowl game. He was coming off a shoulder injury, a legitimate shoulder injury, preventing him from playing in two games. He did not need to go out there and play. He did, and he played very well, uh, particularly in the first half. You look at this situation. He didn't have to be in Mobile. He's an underclassman. He graduated. Give him a, a, an exception. He comes. He didn't have to be there. If Rosen's not no. going to be there. Darnold's not going to be there. So, you know, by going there, and if now he thought that, if, you know, how, how are you going to spin it after he finishes up, you know, positively or negatively? He didn't have to have any spin because he didn't have to be there. So do you give him a little credit for that, no matter, regardless of how it goes? But I think Todd's right. If he Obviously, if he struggles with accuracy, it's going to really hurt him. So there will be questions there. I mean, you can get off to a great start here to the, in the process and light it up. 
and be way ahead of Darnold, way ahead of Rosen, and they may never catch you. So this is a gamble by Josh Allen to be in Mobile with all this scrutiny because it can be very good for him after he leaves. It can be very bad for him after he leaves. So this is a roll of the dice, a big-time gamble to be in Mobile this week when he did not have to be here. So this is something, hey, he's got confidence. I give him credit. But this is a, I would call it, Todd, a very risky move going down there that could pay huge dividends or could really bite him. I love it. I think it shows confidence in yourself, and I think it's critical that you have that as a quarterback. It doesn't mean that if you don't come here that you're not going to be successful or you know anything else, but I just think it shows something that he has the onions to show up here and perform. And... You know, to me, there's something in that. And I think the same exact thing for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield started 100 games. He played at Oklahoma. He played in, you know, in, in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. He, he doesn't need to be here. But it kind of it goes with everything that you know about the young man and, and just the competitive nature that he has. And, yeah, I, there's, there's a game to play. Let's go play it. I love that. Yeah, and, you know, for Josh Allen, the one other thing you have to mention coming in here is – the, the one thing we always knew he had was, it seems, if not elite physical traits, at least certainly um, impressive physical traits and just an impressive arm for him to show up. Again, it's all on paper and it's not going to win you a Super Bowl, but sit, when he come in at 6'4", 237, 10 and an 8 inch hands, man, that's, that's a permanent part of a profile. And, you know, the other thing is coming out of Wyoming – you know, he doesn't get to be on the field with Alabama. He doesn't. It's it's good for these guys to be able to go out there, and it's why the combine matters too. It passed the eye test. Okay, this guy's bigger than the guy from the you know the power conferences, and there it is. You can see that. You can see it right in front of you, guys. I just wanted to do one last little exercise here as we hit the quarterback class hard. A couple teams further down the board. I'm going to throw it at you. Could they be in the market? for a QB. I'll throw one out there to begin with. The New Orleans Saints go into next year with a 39-year-old quarterback and Chase Daniel is the backup. Is this a team, Mel, you can see, I don't know, maybe they need to dip into this quarterback clash. Well, yeah, we thought a few years ago they were dipping in. They took Eric Grayson out of Colorado State. That didn't, you know, right. so, yeah, the quarterbacks, a lot of New England, they took other quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett and Garoppolo. So, yeah, then here's Brady still playing. He's in another Super Bowl. He's 40 years old. Breeze, how many more years will he play? These quarterbacks are standing the test of time and they're, they're, they're showing it. Hey, uh, yeah, maybe down the road we'll all live to be, somebody, somebody will live to be 150 or 200 years of age if Brady can play till he's 45, 50. Who That's knows? That's actually Tom Brady. Yeah. May well be Brady. May well be Breeze. These guys are incredible that everybody keeps wanting to say, hey, the time has come where they're going to start the decline and when's that happening? So you can draft a quarterback and have to wait three or four years and he's not going to be your guy anyway and by then he'll be kicked to the curb. Uh, I think, you know, the name's been brought up, Todd, and, and we all saw Taysom Hill at BYU and you saw, was he going to be a quarterback? What's he going to be? He had those injuries. He had some games where he looked pretty good. Uh, but they seem to think internally pretty highly of him. Uh, you know, what do they do when they're, they're kind of like Pittsburgh. Roethlisberger's hinted retirement before. They drafted Josh Dobbs. What do they do? But I think New Orleans could uh, at some point. But yeah, like I say, does it look like Drew Brees is the end of the trail right now? Doesn't to me. No, that's the hard part, man. I mean, you sit down. It's so easy to sit here and say, well, you know, look ahead and 
What if you lose him in a couple of years? And it's it's prudent. And and you know what? The Patriots are a good example. They've been drafting quarterbacks. It's like it's almost every other every other year using a from anywhere from a second to like a fifth or sixth round pick on quarterback. Yeah. If you go back, I mean, it, really, it's all. I'm not going to sit here and, and waste people's time, but you just think about the the line of of what the Patriots have done, and and then for with most most of them. They're able to go get something for for these quarterbacks as they continue to move on, and, and Brady continues to play it at the high level that he's playing for. And you know, look at Philip Dorsett. How did they get Philip Dorsett? And, and I know he didn't have a monster year, but he came up with a huge catch in that in the championship game. And they got it from developing a, a third string quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it's they just keep doing this over, and, and then they're going to get an early second round pick. Probably could have gotten two ones for. Um, for Garoppolo. So I, I think it's very important to continue drafting quarterbacks and continue to take hacks at that position, even if you have one, even if he's in the prime, because you never know what's going to happen. If you lose that guy, you better have competition behind him and have had time to develop a guy as much as possible, which isn't that much, but it's better than having nothing or having to go to the streets and bring in someone who hasn't been playing and, and basically surrender your season. Yeah, had you had to get the hard. The, the tricky part, though, is real quickly. The tricky part is though, with Ben and with with Drew and with all of these veterans. Do you want to? When do you use that pick? Because if you're using a first or second round pick, you're basically saying, you know what, we're giving up a, a potential starter, and that's how those picks are viewed. And a first round pick potentially an impact starter and a guy that could help us win with Ben because the window's closing and we're in the playoffs every year. So it's it's a really difficult decision if you're sitting there making pulling the you know the trigger for New Orleans or Pittsburgh and all these teams that have these aging quarterbacks it, it really is a struggle and you have to figure out at what at what point is their value without us taking away from the possibility of winning with our guy now. Yeah, the guy that I think uh, yeah we all look for the next Tom T- Tom Brady New England didn't even know what they had so they took him Bledsoe was there they had a late sixth round pick a compensatory pick and they took him they didn't like him in the top of the sixth round they took a cornerback from Virginia so you know that was the year that Cleveland took Spurgeon win in the fifth round at Southwest Texas State so we know the history of Brady he was a late sixth round pick a compensatory pick okay we know that Luke Falk has. His hero has been Tom Brady. He's kind of patted himself after Tom Brady. Look at that delivery. It's kind of Tom Brady-like. Uh, you know, Luke Falk's going to be overlooked by a lot of people. Some are going to say career backup. Even one of his biggest supporters, Chris Sproul, has mentioned to me, career backup. Okay? Uh, so I think you look at Luke Falk and say, okay, what if he drops way down? Uh, you know, and somebody takes him, it's kind of an afterthought pick in round. Todd, give me a round for Falk. What's the lowest he could go? Lowest. Fifth. Fifth, okay, okay, late fifth round pick. You're the Steelers, you're the Saints. Take Luke Falk. Hey, why not? Okay, while all these other guys, while the Lolettas and the Ben Kurtz and the Fergusons all go before Luke Falk, he could be the overlooked guy who drops in, as you say, maybe to the late fifth round. You know, to Todd's point, the, the Patriots, I looked, since 2008. So just 10 years. So every other year they've drafted a quarterback. They've drafted five quarterbacks, and obviously they signed – uh, undrafted Brian Hoyer. So to Todd's point, you know, sometimes they turn into currency. You know, obviously a lot of people think they could have gotten more for Garoppolo, but they did get something for Brissett. Either they turn into your quarterback or they turn into currency. I mean, down on the roster, no player has more value than a quarterback that you at least publicly claim that you're kind of excited about, you know? So it is an interesting philosophy, these teams. I'll give you one other one. 
Mel, mm -hmm. just because why not? Joe Flacco's 33. I don't think anybody thinks Ryan Mallett has a long, stellar starting career ahead of him. Is this a year where Baltimore looks not not in the first round, but you know maybe in the rounds three and four where they bring in that guy that they're at least interested in, they at least think has the upside? They could. Uh, they could. Or you could always have the philosophy, we'll just go get the guy when we need to get the guy. That, that's always right. teams can always have that. Hey, why get the, worry about now? Let's try to fill voids to help Joe Flacco is not yet ready to hang him up. And so as they they feel some good years left. So I, this team's going to be a lot better next year than they were. And the fact that they were on the doorstep of the playoffs is pretty amazing. Now, they got a lot of good luck in one, playing teams where they had quarterback issues or quarterback injuries and allowed them to get into the mix and really should have been in the playoffs. But I think you look at this team next year with all the injuries they had uh, and the get-back guys on the offensive line, like a key guy that people don't think is a key guy, but he is, is Alex Lewis. He was a heck of a pick out in Nebraska, can play right tackle or guard the high-level starter, and if they get him back, which they will, he fills a major void. Uh, they got to get receivers. they got to get a tight end. They know they're going to draft offense. They went defense heavy last year. So this is going to be an offense. I wouldn't say offense only, but I bet you 90% of their picks are offensive selections. And will one of them be of a, a quarterback? Could. But like I say, I think when you need to get the quarterback, when you're desperate for the quarterback, you have to get the You can. I mean, every draft's going to have quarterback. So if you don't like it, that's the thing, Todd. We all get into this. Who do you like? You don't like everybody. If I threw out names right. like Ben Kurt, Loletta, Falk, Mike White, you're going to like all of them. Okay? You might like one of them. And the one you like may be gone by the time you're ready to pick them. What if New England would have liked, they like Brady. What if Brady, Brady could have been gone. Brady, the, the, the history would have been rewritten. <laughs> so we don't know. They don't like all these quarterbacks. They don't like five of the six that we made this guy. like one of the six or two of the six. So uh, this notion they got to take a quarterback, they got to take this guy. They, we, we don't know who they like. We don't have how many they like. He would have gone to the Browns and he'd be in real estate by now. All right, I'll give. We'll end this. We'll end this little segment and hit your mail. I'm going to throw one more out there just because it's highly relevant. It's what a good host does, Todd. Uh, mm -hmm. to Mr. McShay, the team drafting number 30th now locked in. They have some choices to make. Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, with some optimism around that knee, but I wouldn't bet the farm. And then obviously Sam Bradford, again, maybe less optimism around that knee. What do you do if you're Spielman up there in that front office and you're Mike Zimmer and you're taking a look at these quarterbacks and could you be in as early as round one? You know, how are you playing GM there right now, Todd? Well, I think Bradford. Unfortunately, to me, Bradford's the most talented of the three. Right. But you just can't trust that he's going to stay healthy. I mean, he, he's proven time and time again. So I think he's the one you let go. I think, you know, after that, I don't. The problem is, I don't know what. Bridgewater, what his health is truly like. But if you think that he's mm -hmm. that he's on his way back, then um, then I think you plan on Bridgewater being your guy. But you let him let the two compete next year. And maybe you you franchise Case Keenum and try to get one more year out of him. But I but I think I would try to keep those two and let Bradford walk and trade up. Or it's in, in, in a surprise move. Draft Luke Falk at number thirty, according to Mel Kiper. Love right. Luke Falk even more than me. Guys, let's take a quick break and uh, hit a stack of mail that has come flying in, and uh, then we'll send Todd off on his way to do his one-on-one -on -one measurement with Baker Mayfield. All right, Mel. I see a dissertation coming, but I'm going to uh -huh. give you 48 seconds. Nathan Hay asks, at 
Tater3154 Hey says, over the last 20 years, which position has become more difficult to evaluate because of the way the college game is played? I can think of a few. What's your number one? Wide receiver, I think, is the, the biggest. These guys run around. They run to open areas. They don't run routes. And, and they get into the league, and they got cornerbacks in their hip pocket, and they don't know how to deal with it because they got nobody in their hip pocket in, in college usually. So I, I, based on history, uh, they, they're not developing. And they're coming into the league, and they, they seem like they're deer in headlights. So I would say wide receiver. Is that less than 48 seconds? Uh, it's close. Todd even can chime in here because I know he has a, th- a couple thoughts. Offensive line has become harder and harder. Especially the tackles. Guys just are always in two-point stance, never firing out. You know, you look at the Big 12 success and failure rate, and it's pretty dismal in terms of offensive linemen going to the NFL, and a lot of it has just has to do with exactly that. I mean, you can really start to make an argument for just about every position become more difficult, but I think quarterback, receiver, and offensive line are, are the three that stand out. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating case, and I mean, you just – Take that exact example, Todd, and I think of like how you would go through Oklahoma tape this year where you have Mayfield in his blind side as being blocked by Orlando Brown, and it's just like it's right. an exercise in why it's difficult. All right. Um, let's see. Riv at Don Riv asks, Todd, who are the top inside linebackers with speed and nose for the ball? I know we talked a little bit of Tremaine Edmonds last week, but you know, he's a guy who can move around. Who, what about inside guys? Yeah, inside and outside, we've talked about it before. Kind of, I view it as off the line linebackers, off the ball linebackers. So to me, Rashad Evans um, has to be considered Bama. one at, at at Bama. He's, I think he's a more of a. He could play weak inside linebacker in a three four. He could probably play Mike in a four three. He could probably play Will the weak side linebacker spot in a in a four three as well. I think that you know with. When you look at um, Roquan Smith from Georgia, he is a true will. I just started two more games on him last night. I mean, he he's fast. He's does a great job of keeping blockers off his body. He can cover. He can rush. He can do so many different things. But the one thing he struggles with is when blockers get out on him. And that's what happened the first half of that Oklahoma game. And he was rendered – he wasn't useless. I mean, he made five tackles in the first quarter, I think, of that game. But – um but he's making him five, six yards down the line. So Roquan Smith, to me, is your classic 4-3 weak side linebacker. Should be a top 20, 25 pick. Um, Rashawn Evans from Bama is another guy who has first-round ability. Durability and the medical issues will be will be a part of the process with him, with everyone, but could factor into where he goes. But based purely on tape, he is a first-round pick. And I, like I said, could play Will or, or Mike inside. Um, a couple other guys, Josie Jewell, who opted not to play here from Iowa. I think he's probably a, a third round or so pick and has a chance to develop into a starter, better athlete and a little bit quicker than people credit him for. Um, Leighton Vander Esch from Boise State is intriguing, 6'4", 240. I'm interested to see him, you know, study him a little bit more on tape, but he's got some versatility. Micah Kaiser is another one from Virginia who's, who's here at the uh, Senior Bowl. And then, um, then there's a bunch of other guys that are kind of in between. Lorenzo Carter can, can do a little bit of both, but I think he fits more outside. Malik Jefferson should have stayed in Texas for another year, but he has some ability and probably could go in, the, in day two somewhere as a, as a Mike or, or Will linebacker. All right, Mel, 
James English asks, it's at Hollywood114, asks, Mel, who is the Cooper Cup of this draft? I'm projecting a little. I'm guessing mid-rounder who seems ready to play. The Cooper Cup of this draft. Cooper Cooper Cup, Cup by the way, was the arguably one of the Rookie of the Year candidates ended up with, out of Eastern Washington, ended up with the Rams, became probably the favorite uh, receiver for Jared Goff in a breakthrough year for Goff. So there's your there's your background, folks. Yeah, I think I think there's a kid, and I just go get the bell right. DJ Moore at Maryland is a kid that I, yeah, I think is going to have a chance to be maybe a third round pick, maybe a little higher than that. I've watched him a lot during his career, and he's a heck of a football player. Uh, Kiki Kuti at, at Texas Tech uh, made a lot of plays, did a lot of good things for Texas Tech in that offense, and I think you know, he could be. And I think the most intriguing receiver, and Todd talked about how character is important and the background checks and how do you view players come late April. Jordan Lastly for Josh Rosen, had a phenomenal year and made some brilliant plays at key moments. And, you know, if you check, he's going to have to be under the radar and everybody's going to look at him under the microscope. And, and he's, he's a guy that's going to be on the radar come late April. Todd, how high will he go? I'd probably say second round, third round. But Jordan Lassley showed first-round ability during the course of the year. And when you get guys with that kind of talent once they're in the NFL, if they can stay focused on the job at hand, Jordan Lassley has as much talent as just about any receiver in this draft. Yeah, he put up some big numbers. And despite – I think it was – I know he was suspended. Was it – I think four games. Mm-hmm. Is that right? He missed some games with the suspension. So mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's a guy who's, who's got ability, but you got to make sure you know what you're getting. Todd, you can take this one. At Nick Leal asks, aside from Minka Fitzpatrick, who is the safest pick in the secondary? In the secondary. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick uh, is a do-it-all Bama corner slash safety for those listening, but. Denzel Ward to me. I mean, I know he's 5'10", 191, but he plays physical. He's fast. He's got great man-to-man cover skills. Ohio State's, you know, not not everyone produces, not everyone pans out, but they've had a lot of good defensive backs go through as, as high picks, and, and many of them are playing at a pretty high level at the next level too. Um, I don't, you know, Derwin James is, is talented, but I wouldn't call him safe. Durability issues, he, he wasn't. The same player, I didn't think consistently this past year, um, but uh, but I, I would go Denzel Ward or maybe Josh Jackson from Iowa, Mike Hughes and UCF for the three that I, I really like at cornerback. Yeah, down the line, guy Todd. That I think you talk about versatile DBs that can do a lot to help you and 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 wear a lot of hats. Is Jeremy Reeves at South Alabama? Uh, I was impressed with him and uh, during the year wrote him up on ESPN.com. I believe back in early October. So Jeremy Reeves, I think, would be a guy that would be. He's going to make a team. He's going to contribute. And when you have versatility, I think you could, you would be more of a safer pick that you know you're going to get some value and some production out of. Mel, here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Chris Austin at C. Austin588 says, if you're the Bills GM, would you look to trade up for a QV, get one out of free agency or both? Obviously, the Bills have the 21 and the number 22 picks after dealing in last year's draft. Well, again, you know, who drops uh, uh, down a little bit of uh, the quarterbacks? Who's going to be the one? And probably one of these three may take a little bit of a hit if, if the Giants do go for a position other than quarterback. 
uh, and, and Kirk Cousins factors into Cleveland, and Alex Smith goes somewhere that, to fill a void, that, and that a lot of people think it could be maybe Jacksonville. We'll see how that goes. Bortles was okay. But I think you look at, at, at Arizona, what do they do, uh, and what quarterbacks are, are in the mix to move up from 21-22 and package some of those picks. And they do have needs. I mean, they could use a corner. They could use a defensive tackle, offensive line. So the Bills have other areas to consider. But, again, where does is Kirk Cousins going to be in the mix? Where does Alex Smith go? So the Bills are one of those teams, Todd, that could go, other than the draft, to a proven entity already and bring him in as a plug-and-play quarterback. Todd, one or two more here. The Giants, if the Giants decide, this is at Jumanji 37, come on, man, work on that. If the Giants decide they don't love this QB class, perfectly possible, maybe Dave Gettleman says, I don't know, I think Eli's got another year or two. What haul could they get for the number two pick, maybe from Denver or from the team that shares their building, the Jets? Uh, you know, probably, you know, you get the, their one this year. Yeah. And then you're probably looking at, I mean, if you're just moving down four spots, I'd have to go back and look historically. Yeah. It's probably like a one and a three or something like that. Yep. You yeah, know, and then if you start one. going down to like Miami and at eleven, you're probably talking about two ones, you know, a one or two, two this year and and a one next year, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. I, I feel like it's funny that we've we've jumped from, you know, Eli Manning's got a couple of years left to you know all the upheaval there to just this assumption that it's going to be a guy like Josh Rosen. I I don't know if that's an assumption at all. Um, I don't know. That's going to be a really fascinating situation to watch. Obviously, the last time the New York Giants were drafting that high, they got the guy that's currently their starter. All right, Mel, last one of the day. I just have to ask this because I like to handle. Rational Jets fan, at Rational Jets fans ask, does Todd Haley to the Browns solidify Allen first overall? I don't know why that question is asked, but I find it interesting. Well, John Dorsey is running the Cleveland Browns organization now. And, you know, you think about what he's been able to do over the years and the quarterbacks he's been around and, and what he obviously brought to Kansas City was Alex Smith um, and what you need in Cleveland to be successful. You know, he's not going to worry about pressure and what happened in, with pre, the previous the regime and who they passed on and who they didn't. You talk about fascinating. It, it, it's the Cleveland Browns, their history. And they've had some good history, but they've had a lot of bad history. And what happens to players they draft has not been good. The last bust at running back that went in the top group was Trent Richardson, Cleveland Brown. Uh, you know, all the quarterbacks they passed on have turned out to be great. They take quarterbacks that turn out to be nothing. So it's just like, is their luck going to change? Is John Dorsey going to change that luck? And he's got a tough decision to make. You know, and again, we're, we're too early to define it, and I don't think he's defined it yet. He can't, he, he, there's no way he can define it this early. But do you go for and the quarterback that Bill Polian brought up, Todd, we talked, Kirk Cousins is going to go somewhere. Is it better to take, get a Kirk Cousins or an Alex Smith than it is to draft Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, or Sam Darnold, or Baker Mayfield? That's what you have to decide here. If you're clear, you're picking at one and four, you can maneuver off of four. So if you don't like the quarterback high, move down a bit, take Baker Mayfield. So how do you feel about these quarterbacks come late April? And do you feel that it's a better option to get the proven entity and cousins, pay him a fortune and say he's our guy and do go elsewhere with the other picks? Or is it better to draft one of these quarterbacks? That's a dilemma for them because now we do have these veterans sitting there. Doesn't look like Washington, you know, necessarily wants to pay Kirk Cousins that kind of money. Alex 
Smith moving on. Patrick Mahomes is the guy in Kansas City. So it's way too early to say what, what Cleveland's going to do and what John Dorsey's going to do. Uh, and the coordinator and all that is going to factor in. But to me, that's going to be – talk about decisions after what's happened over the last four or five years of the Cleveland Browns. That The, the word fascinating four will be used five. a lot when we describe that. Well, I'm saying four or five went over the quarterbacks they passed on, like <laughs> yeah. Wentz and Watson and Derek Carr. Yeah. That's within the last four or five years. You can have, you can just make that number fifteen if you want. Uh, right? Yeah, I, I, it's a tough decision. It's also you, you well. Yes, Todd. Todd, what you got to get do? somebody to come play. Right. Would you rather have? Because we can fast forward. We know what these guys are going to be. Would you rather? Would you rather if you're the Cleveland Browns get Kirk Cousins to be your quarterback or draft one of the big three? <sighs> Damn, that's Kirk Cousins at about a hundred million, Todd. It's your wallet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's and then, and you have to honestly, you have to really can keep that in consideration. Now, just about everyone on your team is young, so you're not paying anyone too much because of the you know the rookie salary cap and and how that's changed. But you also have the first and fourth overall pick, so now we can go out and get another stud defensively. We could get a Saquon Barkley. We could really. Make two big dents. I, yeah, I would, you, could end up, you could end up with Kirk Cousins, Saquon Barkley, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Right, right. Which That's good. which sounds great. And you know what? Cleveland's a different. Cleveland's a different animal in that I would gamble on these other guys over Kirk Cousins. I think they all have potential to become better players than Kirk Cousins. But at least Kirk Cousins and, and Bill Polian brought this brought this up the other night, and I completely agree with this part of it. At least with Kirk Cousins. You're getting one of the great guys, a stand-up guy, a player who is happy to be the mentor to all these, you know, young guys and show them how to carry themselves and, and, and all the things that you look for in a leader. And this is an organization that has had no leadership anywhere, especially from the, the locker room and especially from the quarterback position. So if you can bring in a guy that may, hey, the, the cap is here. We're not going to win a Super Bowl with this guy, most likely, but, we can stabilize our organization with after years and years of instability. I think I I wouldn't have an issue with that, and then use those two picks on on really premier players and continue to try to build this roster because gambling on another young quarterback and putting him in a bad spot when in a bad weather place where the fans are sick and tired of losing, I, I could just see it. I mean, it's hard not to see it go awry. That's all it's done is go poorly for them. And you don't know that, you know, a couple of these guys that they drafted quarterback, maybe they would have been a little bit different. Although I think all of them were mistakes and I thought they were at the time. But part of the success is where you wind up. So to me, I, I might go the veteran route and get the sure thing and try to stabilize things for the next four or five years and then, and then go on from that point. You know, the fascinating thing here. Uh, and you guys both know this, obviously, is that last year, John Dorsey was the GM of the Kansas City Chiefs. He drafted a really raw, you know, super talented quarterback, and he had Alex Smith as a starter. It's not implausible, or impossible at least, that he could draft a really raw, interesting young quarterback and have Alex Smith as a starter, because they could easily, they have... Cleveland Brown has, you know, one of the biggest draft stashes we've seen in the last 10 years. They can go and do something like that too. And again, that would mean Mahomes could end up starting in Kansas City. Maybe everybody wins. I can't believe we talked about the Browns draft situation and Mel didn't give Brian Sipe a shout out. I feel like that was like an old standard. 
I've talked enough about Brian Slape over the years. <laughs> Out of San Diego right. State, by the way. That's interesting, too. The one thing about Cleveland <laughs> did on this, that you're the Cleveland Browns, everybody worries about, well, do you draft? Like, we all talk about Cousins. <laughs> He's a Midwest guy, played at Michigan State in the Big Ten. The two successful quarterbacks they had that were in our time of watching football was Brian Slape out of San Diego State <laughs> and Bernie Kosar out of Miami of Florida. That's what they need, man. A small hand guy out of a southern school. All right. Well, we've right, gone through a ton of quarterbacks this week. <laughs> Todd's got to go do his measurements. And uh, Mel, two practices the afternoon this afternoon. Let's go. You do what you do. That's first draft for this week. I'm Chris. That's Mel and Todd, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com/slash PodCenter.